Amen. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my gracious Redeemer. And may you guard the ears of the hearer even now, in these next few moments in particular, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. If you would have a seat for just a minute before we start the message. I know this is normally the time. Don't go anywhere. Where are you music people going? Hang on. Um, Kendall. Where's Kendall? So first song we did, calling before the calling passage. Sure. How's this, what, what's the bridge of that song? Isn't it? Is that the bridge? No, the one before. What's Maybe it's the... Sure. She's over there somewhere. That one. Yes, I don't know a bridge from a chorus. And I live with three musicians. Isn't that horrible? Um, so would you guys, somebody just read that? I guess, yeah, we don't have to play it. You can just read it. Majesty, Lord of all, let every throne before him fall. The King of kings, O come adore, our God who reigns forevermore. Do we believe that? What if the throne that's going to fall is the White House? Do we still believe that? You guys can just leave, you can leave that. You can leave that up for just a minute, if you would, Kendall. But open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. I know we're in First Thessalonians. We're going to get there, and we're going to be right on time because it's God's time. Um, but um, I have been wrestling with the Lord for a couple days. If you've been here for a while, you know I don't like to talk politics. I've talked more politics this season than I ever have in the almost 10 years I've been pastoring this church. And, um, and there's a place for that, and there's a need for that, and we talked about and gave you resources for being active and voting and doing our part, and that has not stopped. I am continuing to pray for the truth to be realized, for um, peace to be felt, for our nation to be strong. And I just want to right up front and out of the gate, I want to say our country has done more good for the gospel than any nation that has ever existed. That's just a fact. It just is. But here's the other reality, and somebody prayed it, and this is what I love about like how the Lord was just confirming as I was wrestling, do I really want to start with this whole, whole idea of, of what might happen to our nation? Um, we are reminded, even in the Word, even in, in the prayer time, that, guys, where are the great nations of old? Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Rome. You pay money to go see the, the ruins of the greatest world superpower that has ever been known. Why? Because God was done with them. I am not here to say that God is done with the United States of America. I have no idea. But here's the deal. As a Christian, it doesn't really matter. We are not citizens of the United States of America. We happen to live here. We are citizens of heaven. If, if, if you're like, I mean, I've already checked some of you out, right? And I get it. I, I do believe me. I am pro-America. I want a strong country. I, 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 what I said earlier about I, I want my daughters to grow up in a, in a country that, that is free to worship. But I have to have a bigger plan for me and for them than just safety and security in the here and now, because frankly, that has done very little for any nation that has ever existed, most of them for much longer than we have. Look at Romans 13, 
in verse 1. Every person is to be in subjection, subjunk, sorry, subjection, I can't even talk now, to be in subjection to the government governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God of those that exist are, and those that exist are established by God. Because you understand what Paul is saying on the heels of sharing the whole gospel message and saying at the start of the sort of the therefore, now how do we live? When he says, here's how you live. You present your body a living and holy sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, verse one, acceptable to God for this is your spiritual service of worship. Then he moves on to this chapter 13 and he's saying, guys, we got to understand that, that you are in a certain time, in a certain place, and we are be, to be a people who are to be change agents in that time and in that place, but it's for the gospel, right? And if that's for the good of the nation, that's, that's okay too. But regardless of what the, which direction we see the nation going, it doesn't change our call. Our call is to be the light and the salt. This has always been true. The prophet Jeremiah, who lived 600 years before Jesus even came, is watching, guys, get, understand this. We feel like we're seeing the downfall of America. I don't know that we are or we're not, but he is literally watching the downfall of the nation of Israel. Babylon is, is coming in and, and, and quite literally chewing up into little pieces the temple of God so they could get the gold off of it. And he's watching this happen. And you know what God tells him to tell God's people who are now in exile in a foreign country being treated really poorly? You know what God tells him to tell his people? Pray for the good of those people. What? Really? He's like, pray for the good of the, of the nation in which I have sent you into exile. Guys, we are just exiles. That's what the New Testament tells us. We were exiles for the last four years, and we will be exiles for the next four, regardless of who our president is. We have to get that. But here is the problem. And this is where I'm going to check out another half of you. Back in the 80s, Ronald Reagan said that we are the city high on a hill, and the church bought that. Now, I like Ronald Reagan, and I know that his heart was to say that we're to be a, a force for good in the world, but the city on the hill is not the United States of America. The city on the hill is the church of God. He took what Jesus said that you are to let your light shine before all men. And he applied it to our nation. And, and although his heart, I'm, I'm guessing, was in the right place, it has done more damage, I think, to the church because we think that we're Americans who happen to be Christians. And that does not, that, that, there's no place for that in this. We are, if you're a belief follower of Christ, you are a Christian who happens to be born and living in the United States of America. And if we don't filter everything that we're seeing through that lens, then what we say and what we post and, and the conversations we get into will be no different than a world that needs to see the difference in us. And, and, and guys, this, although this is an aside from our First Thessalonians message, this is why First Thessalonians is so timely because it's, it's exactly what Paul is worried about for the Thessalonians. That because they live in a world that is so anti-gospel, he's afraid they've lost the light. And, and my big fear through, guys, not even the election, my, when, when, when all of the COVID craziness started back in February and March, my big, here was my biggest angst. Like no time in my life, and I'm only almost 52, but like almost every, almost every other time of great like upheaval in our nation has drawn people to God. 
right? What happened after 9-11? I look at Mo sitting in the back, spent days trapped under one of the towers at 9-11. What happened to our country after 9-11? Man, churches it just exploded. People needed God. But you know what's March, April, throughout, this whole, throughout the whole political season? God, God's people are not turning back to God. Church attendance is plummeting. Churches are closing at an unprecedented rate. Almost as if Jesus knew what was going to happen. And we'll get there, Lord willing, in the message. So what do we do? Guys, what do we do? We live different. We are called to be distinctly different people. I get that it's hard. I have intentionally not turned on anything that even looked like a news, not even my news feed on my phone. I have only been on social media the last few days just to post my encouraging things and then I get off. But because you know why? Because that 30 seconds of glimpsing at something, man, within seconds, I can just feel it starting to come up into me. That, what, what Brian, I'm right there with you, brother. Thank you for your transparency and just saying, man, I've been angry and I've been mad and I've hated people. I get it. It happens that fast because it, my, my, only, my only solution is just back off because I, I can't function in that world and go, oh, but it's okay. It doesn't really affect me. Yes, it does. It affects all of us. Because we have to, we, that's, and I know I'm preaching to the choir right now because you're here, but that's part of why gathering on Sundays, that's part of why reaching out to each other throughout the week, that's part of just, we need to soak in what is good and right and lovely and pure. And that's why we're here. So before we get out of Romans, look at Romans 12, right before what he said in Romans 13 about all, guys, the reality is that verse and that song is true. Every throne will fall. So what's our job? So go to that picture, Kendall, that I told you to put up. Our job is to love people without asking whether they deserve it, whether they've earned it. It's the message of the Bible is love God, love people by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of Christ. And look at what Paul says in Verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. I'll translate that. Turn off the news and pick up your Bible. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love and, pre and give preference to one another in honor. Jump down to verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Yes, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Wait a minute. It's unfair. Darkness is winning. Evil is advancing. It is not right what they're doing. What, what, all those, guys, all those things go into my head. I have to jump down to verse 19. Oh, I'm sorry, verse, I'll start in verse 17. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge. Oh, I wish that weren't in the Bible. Like, seriously. Don't you? I can tell by the laugh that you agree. Right? Come on, Paul. Come on, Holy Spirit. Give me a little something. Leave, but here's, but here's the little something. Leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Because we're not going to change the world through strong-fisted, like just 
yelling at people and putting up mean memes or whatever they're called on your Facebook page. And we're just not gonna, here's how I know. Where's Rome? Where's Rome? They were trying to change the world. You know how they were doing it? Brute force. How's that worked for them? The only thing that, guys, they're not here anymore. You know who is? The church. 2,000 years later, Rome is dust. The church still lives. The only thing that has ever worked is love God, love people. That's it. With that, we're going to actually start the message now, and I'm going to do that by inviting up Selah Edwards to read today's passage. So would you stand for the reading of the word? Oh, yeah, you probably need that, huh? It's on. First Thessalonians 3. Finally, when we could stand, no, stand it no longer, we decided that I should stay alone and we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our co-worker for God and our brother in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from becoming disturbed by the troubles we were going through. But of course you know that such troubles are going to, to happen to us Christians. And while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would soon come, and they did. As well... As well known, that is why when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy, Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the temperature had gotten, to the, gotten the best of you and that all of our work had been useless. Now Timothy had just returned bringing the good news that your faith and love are as strong as ever. He reports that you remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us just as much as we want to see you. So we have been grateful, gratefully comforted, dear brothers and sisters, in all of our own crushing troubles and suffering because you have remained strong in your faith. It gives us new life knowing you remain strong in the Lord. How we thank you, God, for you. Because of you, we have great joy in the presence of God. Night and day we, are, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again to fill up anything that may still be missing in your faith. May God himself, our Father, and our Lord Jesus make it possible for us to make you, to come to you very soon. And may the Lord make you love grow and overflow to each other and to everyone else. Just as our love overflows towards you, as a result, Christ will make your heart strong, blameless, and holy when you stand before God, our Father, on that day when our Lord Jesus comes with all those who belong to him. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God. As we have taught you, you are doing this already, and we encourage you to do so more and more. For you remember what we taught you in the name of the Lord Jesus. God wants you to be holy, so you should keep clear of sexual sin. Then each of you will control your body and live holy, holiness and honor, not lustful passion as the pagans do in their ignorance of God and his ways. Never cheat a Christian brother in his matter by taking his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins. And as, as we have solemnly warned you before, God has called us to be holy, not to live in pure lives. Anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human rules, but is rejecting God who is, gives his Holy Spirit to you. But I don't need to write to you 
about the Christian love that should be shown among God's people. For God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you love his Love is already strong toward all the Christians in all of Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we beg you to love them more and more. This should be ambition to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we commanded you before. As a result, people who are not Christians will respect the way you live and will not need to depend on others to meet your financial needs. Thank you, sweet sister. That was awesome. Well done. Let me pray before you sit down. So pray with me as I pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for that truth. But I want to pray right now then that you would take your word and by the power of your spirit, you would conform your children here in this room into the image of your son, Jesus Christ, for his glory alone. We pray these things that we gather here today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Please have a seat. So why take the time to read this. You know, we started doing this with the Jonas series. Is it just an opportunity to get the kids up here and to do something? Absolutely not. Although I do want to take this opportunity again to say, kids, you are not just like here because we have no place else to put you. You are a, an important part of this conversation that we're having, not just here in this room, but as you go home and throughout. But guys, I need to be reminded of the faith of a child. And the best way for me to do that is to be around children and see how you guys are interacting with your families, with my family, and with the Lord. And so thank you guys for being willing to do that, and you families to be willing to do that as well. But here's the other reason we take the time to, to, to read a whole chapter, basically, or two parts of a ch two chapters today, is because this is the most important thing you're going to hear today. right? We have a tendency to go... Man, can we just get to, okay, I, we, we read the Bible part. Now, can we just get to, to, to your thoughts on it so it makes some more sense, right? Anything coming out of this mouth has great potential to just get in the way of this, right? Like, we have got to have the mindset that what just happened here was probably the most important and the most powerful part of the service today, honestly, because it is the word of God being proclaimed over the people of God that the spirit of God can then use to conform us into the image of God. It's not all the extra stuff that you hear, right? I mean, yeah, there, there's opportunity for me to study and try to, try to help us all understand together what, what God is trying to tell us through this. But ultimately, it is the word of God that has the power. And we saw that actually in chapter one. So with that, open your Bibles up if you haven't already to 1 Thessalonians chapter one. You're going to need a Bible. If you don't have one, raise your hand. I'm guessing somebody will put one in it for you. But we're going to jump in to chapter or in chapter three of 1 Thessalonians. And I'm going to just ask a question. Is your life, not the question of the day yet, but is your life an encouragement to those who have poured into you? Is your life, the way you're living, your marriage, your family, just your walk, is it an encouragement to those who have poured into you. And I'm not just talking about your pastor. It could be your parent. It could be your coach. It could be a family or friend. Ultimately, what Paul is writing 1 Thessalonians about is, you have encouraged my soul. I want to encourage you. So is your life an encouragement? On your table, there are a bunch of cards. Some of them have holes in them to hang on the cross as you feel led. But some of them are, are just blank. Here's what I want you to do right now. We want to take just a second in God's perfect timing and ask the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, right now in this moment, I'm asking that you would put on the mind of every person in this room a person. A person who has encouraged us 
a person who has encouraged us who is still alive. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. We'll come back to that in just a minute. I'll tell you what you're going to do with that in just a few minutes, Lord willing. But I just wanted to start with asking, is your life an encouragement to those who've encouraged you? Paul was on this journey. He, he was on, on what was their, the second um, missionary journey. And, and there's a, on our website, there's a 20-minute um, like introduction to this letter that I did the first week. And you can go back and watch it if you'd like. But basically what happened is they, they took off. They were heading towards Galatia. The Holy Spirit told them, no, go left. You're gonna, or in your case, it's going to be go left, west, towards um, what is now Europe. So they go to Philippi. They end up in Thessalonica. They get run out of Thessalonica. They move on to Berea. They go on to Athens. They end up in Corinth. Paul is in Corinth when he writes back to the Thessalonians. And what we saw in all of that is life is really hard when you're living on mission. Especially, and it's really hard because the world is frankly anti-gospel. And it always has been. This is, he wrote this letter around 50 AD, 20, 20 years after Jesus died. And it's already really hostile to be a Christian. It's not like things were wonderful in the good old days. Right? It's just, it's never been true. The, why he writes this letter though is to write a letter to say, guys, I know it's going to be hard because it's hard on me. I'm not here to tell you a bunch of deep theological stuff. I'm just here to encourage your soul. It is a pastor trying to encourage his people. And that's what I love about it. Because, especially now. You know why the church is struggling? You know, back to where I, where, when, when I got up to talk during the prayer time and then even with the Roman stuff. You know why the church is struggling so much with COVID, uh, with the election? is because we have no theology for suffering anymore in America. The church has lost its theology for suffering. Why? Because we have been sold a gospel that says, put on Jesus and your life is going to be great. Here's the thing. We didn't invent that. The prosperity gospel, we just got really good at sharing it in America because it went right along with the American dream. But we have to get back to going, you know what? Because here's, because here's the reason. Here's why it matters. If we don't have a theology for suffering, then when things are not going well for you, what do you begin to question? Who do you begin to question? God. Right? You're like, well, oh, no. Like, and when I say going well for you, I mean from a, from a physical, like the American dream standpoint, all of a sudden it's like, oh, no. What's going on? And, and this isn't a message about there, there could be unconfessed sin in your life. It could be God's discipline. And it could also just be God's will for your life is to conform you into the image of Christ. And we don't get to glory without seeing and, and sharing his scars. How do you get to glory if, if God's game plan for us is not our comfort, but our Christ-likeness? How do we enter into glory looking like Jesus unless we have scars? Because I'll let you in a little secret. He's got some scars, right? It's what Adam prayed. We gave them to him, and he didn't deserve his. I deserve mine, even the ones I don't think I deserve. Why do I deserve mine? Because I'm a sinner, right? I mean, yeah, God sees me as a saint now by the blood of Christ, but I still struggle. Like, I, I, I deserve no better than any other person. But what we've bought into is this, is this meritocracy of if you do good, you'll get good. If you do bad, you'll get bad. And that's not in here. And it's certainly not in what we're going to see today. So today, what, so we've already seen, um, 
We've, as, as we've been walking through, I got to get back to the right page. We've already seen um, that a disciple is, um, what was the first, was, was a willing follower. Then last week, Jeff taught on that we were um, a proud parent. Today, what we're going to look at is that he is um, a living testimony. And the question we're asking today is, how is your life lived as a testimony to the one who gave it to you? How are you living your life as a living testimony to the one who's given you this life? Right? If, if the reason he keeps us here is to give him glory, how are we giving him glory? How are we encouraging others to live for Christ? And the passage we're going to look at, and we're going to go through it fairly rapidly, Lord willing, is we, we, will be living as a, we will be a living testimony when we let go of ourselves, when we live set apart, and when we love the saints. So let's look at our first point. Our life is lived as a living testimony when we let go of self. Pick it, we're going to pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 3. Therefore, and I have to stop right there. Sorry. Because every time we ask the question, we see the word therefore in Paul's writings in particular, what do we ask? What's it there for? It's therefore, verses 18 through 20 of, the, of what we call chapter 2. He says in 18 of chapter 2, For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than anyone, and yet Satan hindered us. Just like the Holy Spirit stopped them from going one direction, Satan has stopped them. It shows you a little bit about the power of Satan, which is another thing we've really downplayed in America, by the way. For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? It is, not even you, is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus? It is coming? For you are our glory and joy. Now, it sounds a little bit like he's putting a lot of emphasis on these people in Thessalonica, and we're going to get there in a few minutes, because he is. But he's saying, he's saying there, I wanted so badly to come to you. Therefore, when we could not endure it any longer, we thought it best that we, left, that we would be left behind at Athens alone. He's saying, he's saying, as much as I wanted Timothy and Silas with me, I sent Timothy back to you as a God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. And then in the passage that, that Brian read, our calling passage, we saw also that he sent Silas back to Philippi. So now Paul is alone in Corinth, which is not really that nice. I mean, you think there's, there's no place in America half as bad as the city of Corinth when Paul was there. I mean, every disgusting sin you could possibly imagine and some that you couldn't when you read about what the Romans were doing. It, it was horrendous. We have not invented, like, disgusting in human nature. So that no one would be disturbed by, so, this, so he says, so he wanted to strengthen and encourage you so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we, that we have been destined for this. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, man, you know that part of being a Christian, we told you that part of being a Christian is that you're going to suffer. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that you were going to suffer affliction. This is why the prosperity gospel is so wrong. It's the point I was making earlier. It's because if we tell people, man, if you, you know what, if you just would come to Christ, your marriage would be so much better. And then they come to Christ, and, and they say, okay, well, I'm going to profess Jesus as Lord. And their marriage still stinks, or their spouse still leaves them. They go, well, then that gospel thing just doesn't work for me. We can't, we just can't. He's saying, right up front, out of the chute, I was telling you, it's going to be a tough life. Because it's not about this life. It's about the next life. For this reason, and then he says, um, and, and so it came to pass, as you know. So all this affliction is happening. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter 
might have tempted you and that your labor and that our labor would not have been in vain. Guys, do you, do you hear his pastoral heart there? He's saying, I was, he's saying, I know how much trouble I'm going through right now. And here are these baby Christians that, I, that we just taught them about Jesus and I left them in this place that hated the gospel so much the people from Thessalonica were chasing him on. They're the ones that show up in Berea and start giving him trouble there. He's like, man, what are they doing to the, my brothers and sisters in Christ back in their home when they don't even have to travel to give them a hard time? He's like, oh, my heart just hurts for you. Why? Because he understands that the walk in Christ is a spiritual fight. We're, keep your finger in, in Thessalonians because we're going to come back to it. But turn to Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to come back here a few times too. So if you have a marker, you're going to want to put one in your Bible in Matthew 13. We read it a few weeks ago in our D group. But it's, it's a well-known parable about the soils. Matthew 13. And I want to show you, this is where Paul is getting his, his concern for his brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus starts in verse of chapter 13, verse 1 of chapter 13. That day Jesus went, to, went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and a large crowd gathered to him, and he, and he got into his boat, and he sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out and, some of the, and sowed, and some of the seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them. Others fell on the rocky places where, they did not, where there was not much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no, but be, because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell in the good soil and yielded a crop of some 100 and of some 60 and of some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Now we're going to go through, back and forth here, through all three of these, so, of these different kinds of seed that, that Paul is actually talking about a little bit here too. But, but if you would, jump down to verse 16. Paul says this, or Jesus says this, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did, and did not see and to hear what you hear and did not hear. Now I just have to stop there for a second and say, do you understand what Jesus is telling us right now? If you're reading God's word and, and it is actually becoming living and active in your heart, that is a miracle. It is. We take it so flippantly. Not just that we have the Bible, but that the Bible actually speaks to us. Like it actually applies to our lives. It actually is the change agent to conform us into the image of Christ. He's saying there are lots of people who have lived and called themselves God's people who did not have that relationship with God's word because they didn't have a relationship with me. Now pick it up in verse 18. So here's where Jesus is going to explain the parables. He says, here is the parable of the sower. Because the disciples are like, why are you so confusing? Why are you talking all these weird lingo? Why don't you just tell us what you mean? He's like, because it's not for everybody. But I'll tell you. So he jumps down in verse 18. He says, or verse 19, he says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches them away that they, what might be sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. So that's the first kind of seed. It just, it doesn't go anywhere because the enemy has still blinded the mind of the unbeliever to keep them from seeing the glory of the gospel in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians. That's, what he, that's where Paul got that, is right here. The, that's the, the Satan blinding their eye. And then it says in verse 20, then when, 
when, I'm sorry, then the one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Guys, do you, do you, this is why Paul is concerned about the Thessalonians. He's like, I wasn't there long enough to see if, this, if you really grew roots. I shared the word. I saw you receive it with joy. But man, what if the enemy came and snatched you away? Because he remembered the words of Christ here. Guys, this is my biggest fear for us. It's what I shared a few minutes ago. My biggest fear for our, not even the world, not our, not our nation, our, just our little church. There are so many people that were of us that are not of us anymore. And, and many of them are not of us and not of anyone else either. If they've moved on to another church that teaches the Bible, praise the Lord, honestly. I wish they would do it better sometimes, but praise the Lord. But if they're just not into church anymore, man, and we all know those people, reach out to them. Don't judge them. Don't beat them up. I know that's a hard thing. Like, how do you text a brother? Like, I'm thinking of a few right now that I'm like, man, I missed you at church today. I know, you know, like, how, without sounding like, why weren't you at church today? I get it. It's worth the fight. Because the alternative is that eventually they fall away. The problem with missing church, with, with missing church is that if you do that long enough, you won't miss church anymore. That's the truth. Like, you won't miss being there anymore. And that's what COVID did to a lot of people. And it's still doing it. So that is where Paul's big wrestle is. Now go back to 1 Thessalonians and pick it up in chapter 6. Oh dear. I just looked at my watch. Bad idea. Chapter, verse, chapter 3, verse 6. But now that Timothy has come, come to us, from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and what uh, and that you are always thinking kindly of us longing to see us just as we have longed to see you for this reason brethren in all of our distress and affliction we were comforted about you through your faith for now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord because you hear what he's saying? He said, when, so Timothy, he sent Timothy there to see how they were doing. Timothy comes back to Paul in Corinth and says, man, these people are rocking for Jesus. They're fighting it out even in the midst of the persecution. They are strong. And Paul's like, oh, I can breathe again. No, literally. Like, like when he says, and now we really live, in the Greek, that actually has the connotation of now I can breathe again. He was so anxious about whether they, these people that he loved so dearly were really holding on to Christ, that, it, that it, was, it was causing him lack of sleep. It was causing him many tears. It was causing him to not even be able to like, <gasps> just breathe again. I get it. I do. It's, it's why, guys, that is why I was face down on the floor before when the service was going today. Because I, I just, I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I do not know how to encourage your people because it's so easy to get discouraged, right? I, I, not, not just as a pastor, as, as a parent, as someone who loves another brother or sister who, who you're wondering what happened to them. Guys, one of the, you're going to read it. I think it's tomorrow's reading in Matthew 24. 
This is Jesus speaking as he's getting ready to go to the cross. Because lawlessness has increased, the love of many will grow cold. But those who endure to the end will be saved. The gospel of the kingdom of God will be preached to all nations. And then the end will come. Guys, we can not be surprised. By what, I, I'm not surprised by the fact that church attendance is plummeting all over the nation. I'm not surprised by all the stuff I've been talking about. I'm grieved. A shepherd's heart, you don't have to be called a pastor, a shepherd's heart grieves over sheep that have turned from the chief shepherd. And his heart was grieving and he gets this great report and he's like, yes, but what made Timothy and Silas ready to go do that work for him? Discipleship. He had poured into Timothy and Silas and said, you're no longer living for yourself, gentlemen. You're, you, you died to self. You're now living for the kingdom of God. Go do kingdom work. It wasn't easy for Paul and Silas either. Right? Silas was the brother that was chained to the floor with Paul after getting beaten. How'd you like to have, I, I like that as your program. Hey, you, you know, I, I, a, man, a man of God's like, hey man, why don't you come follow me? And one of your first acts right out of the gate is to get beaten, thrown into a dungeon and chained to a floor. Hey, thanks brother. I really appreciate you letting me join you on this program, right? Like, no, but yeah, because he had a different perspective. He was living for something bigger than himself. Verse 9, he says, For then I, for, he says, um, So I live knowing that you stand firm. Verse 9, For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God in your, on your account? He says, as, as we night and day keep praying earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. He's, he's, he's desperately trying to make sure that, that, this people are holding on to the Lord. And then he finishes with this, and I'm just going to skip ahead to this, uh, well, um, to um, this little mini benediction in verses 11 through 13. Now may the God of our Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you, and may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as also we, you, um, we do for you. So he's saying, we're not, you're not living for your wants or your will. You're living for other people. That's where I get this idea of letting go of self. So, so, that we may, so that he may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before God and the Father at our coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. All the saints. That will be our benediction as we leave here today, our sending passage. So you're going to hear it again. But I would encourage you to mark that in your Bibles because it is really important. Now the question is, is your life, one of your, is your life an encouragement to other people? So before we move on, I want to ask you, I, I gave you that card. I asked you to take out the card and pick out a name. Here's what I want you to do now. And we're going to take the time to do it. I want you to write a note to whoever that person is. Just two or three sentences. That's all. And maybe you just start the idea right now. And you're like, yeah, but it's somebody who lives across the country. So how am I going to get them this card? You're going to take a picture of it and text it to them. Come on. This is like 2020. Figure it out. But take a minute right now where you're at and write a note to whoever that person is. It might be somebody in this room. It might not be. 
let them know that you appreciate what they've done in your life. Sorry, did that come out on the thing? Here, my drinking? That's probably really attractive, huh? <laughs> and like I always do, I'm not gonna give you enough time, um, but you can finish it up later. But here's what I'd ask you to do. I'd ask you to give it to that person, whether it's, if it's a person in the room, then before you leave today, give it to them. If it's a family member, how, however you need to do it, just get it to them. Guys, why? Because we have to speak words of life and love over each other. Because the world and the enemy is speaking words of condemnation and death. And the only antidote, well, there's two things. One, avoid the things that speak words of death and condemnation. Turn off your news, right? And two, then speak words of life and love over other people. And, and, and maybe you're sitting here today going, yeah, but Doug, I just don't have it in me. Like, honestly, like, I feel so dried up. I feel like that ratty old sponge on the back of the sink, you know, that, like, if you actually went to use it, it would just break. It's okay. You know what will happen if you, if you just go, okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just encourage someone else. Guess what will happen? What Paul just said, we are encouraged in our souls by the good report and by our encouragement of you. And we want to come back there and encourage you some more because we'll be encouraged. It is amazing to me, like when I get in that negative place, if I'll just go, I'm going to send out five positive text messages or I'm just going to call somebody on the phone and say, hey, I just want to let you know I love you. It is amazing how much better I feel after that. I feel. I don't care if I made them feel any better. I felt better. Like that's what we have to be about. So let's keep going because we're, I'm going to be here through tomorrow. So and we're not providing lunch today, so you're going to be hungry, and then I'll be in trouble. So, so how is your life a living testimony for the one who gave it? One, you have to let go of yourself. The other thing you have to do is you have to live set apart. The, the, the $10 word for living set apart in the Bible is what? Okay, hold, uh, it's, 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 it's the concept of holiness. That's, the, that's probably the word, yeah, this, but what is it? Sanctified. Sanctified literally has the picture of taking something that is like, that is not being used for God's glory, setting it over here in the temple and going, sanctified. It is set apart. It is, it is being used for a purpose bigger than yourself. Now, and, and ultimately, so when I say set apart, it, he's going to say sanctified. Look at what he says in verse 1 of chapter 4. Finally, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that, you, that, that as you received us in our instruction 
as to how you ought to walk and please God. So, so how you ought to live set apart, just as you now actually do walk, excel still more. It's his way of saying, don't be satisfied. The, the Christian walk is always forward and upward. The enemy wants us to look backward and downward. I stink. I failed. Look at my past life. Look at my, it's what, he, it's what it was Paul's, I believe that was Paul's thorn in the flesh. I do. I think his, he was talking about the battle of the mind, and he's going, the enemy is saying, you were the one who was killing Christians. How dare you tell people now about the love of Jesus? And he's going, man, that is a fight. Because the call of Christ is always forward and upward. And he's saying, excel still more. And I'm going to jump down in the interest of time. In verse 7, he says, for God has not called you for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. A life of devotion to him is what he's saying. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Guys, do you... I hope you're, you're, you're getting what he said. Guys, I say this a lot. The first call of the Christian is not to behave. It is to behold. But the proof of our belonging is in our behaving. Right? The first, we, we don't start with people going, just get your act cleaned up and come to Christ. We say, here's the beauty of beholding Christ. And if you will look at that and look on him, he'll change you. And that change will be evident. Turn back to, to Matthew 13. I'll show you how Jesus said it. So, if, well, so we'll see how Jesus said it here in a few minutes. So if you look at verse 7 of chapter 13 of Matthew, it says, Others, Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. The thorns are all the ugly things Paul listed in the passages I didn't read, but um, Selah read them. Right? Now, now jump down to verse 22 where, Paul, where Jesus explains what that means. The one And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. Guys, if you're sitting here today or you know people who are professing faith in Christ and, and there's no evidence of fruit in their life, there's no evidence of changing behavior, you have to step back and walk with them and asking them, how do you know you're really his then? It's not on me to say you're not. I can't look at you and go, you're not really in Christ. I don't know their heart. But it, but it is our job as Christians to walk with other people and say, okay, so how do you know you're his? Are you feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Are you, are you, is your behavior changing? Are you the same person now that you were when you first came to Christ? Right? The, the power of the gospel is conforming power. It's not just transforming power. It is what transforms us from death to life. Praise Jesus. It is also what conforms us into the image of his son. Praise Jesus. You have a table talk question that we are not going to talk about today because, well, I'm way over time. But it talks about how can you be better, not be better people, be better at showing Christ-like behavior in these coming weeks where the world is desperately going to need to see it. One, because everything we've been going through with COVID and the elections and everything else. And two, because of what we're going into, the holiday season. Right? What a wonderful time to help people, like to, to show people what thankfulness, gratitude, love, anticipation of Christ's return, 
all those things are going to come up in the next few weeks. How can you, like, talk as, as a family on the way home? How can you get, like, intentionally plan things before your calendar fills up? Okay, so, I don't even know where I'm at anymore. I'm, I'm yeah. How, how do you live, how, does you, how do you live your life as a testament of the one who gave it? One, you have to let go of self. Two, you have to live set apart, live sanctified. And the last point is, and it goes quickly, we have to love the saints. We need to love the saints. Look at the last couple of, last few verses. In verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians, he says this, Now as you love, now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need of anyone to write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do not practice you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. There's more. Don't be satisfied. Press on. Press on in what? Press on in love. Don't just be satisfied with being a loving person. Be the most loving person you know. I pray this over my every day. Be the most positive person you know. You know why? Because I'm the most negative person I know. And I've, I've, I've got, no, no, today, Lord, help me to be the most positive person I know. Help you to be the most loving person you know. Don't, our job, love people without stopping to ask whether they deserve it. That's hard. That is so, so hard for us, so hard for me. But finish it up with this. He says, and make your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your own hands just as, you, as we commanded you. So he's just saying, don't be a burden on other people so that you will behave properly towards outsiders and have no need of anything. Here's, here's all, what all, I went on t- time to talk about working for a you know, living. Because they were all, here's what happened. I, I will say this part. Here's part of what he was battling, and we'll see this next week when we get to the resurrection or, or the, the, um, the rapture but is he's battling some people that are going, well, Jesus is coming back, so why do we have to do anything? I don't have to work. I don't have to take care of anything. And so he's like, no, 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 no. Here's why you don't want to do that, because it's a horrible witness to people. It is a horrible witness to other people to go, oh, you bunch of lazy Christians, right? So, he did, so he's like, don't do that. But we're going to finish up today, and I really am going to finish up today with going back to Matthew. So we're done in 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to go back to Matthew 13 and look at that last soil that we haven't gotten to yet. And he says in verse 8 of Matthew 13, And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundred and some sixty and some thirty. He who has ears, that's us, let him hear. That's you if you're hearing. Look at verse 23. And, and this is where Jesus explains it. And the one who, in whom the seed was sown in the good soil, this, on the good soil, this man hears the word, understands it, and indeed bears fruit. And brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. How do you know you really belong? Fruit. This is not talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I know I really belong because this is what we often will do. Like I'll say, well, I don't really see a lot of fruit. And what we mean by that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I, those are all, I pray those things every third day of my prayer time too, Right? I get that. Those, what Paul's talking about here, or what Jesus is talking about here, what Paul is talking about is the fruit of discipleship. The 100, the 60, and the 30 are people. He's saying, look around. Is your life so encouraging to other people? Are you living as such a testimony to the power of Christ that other people are following you? Right? Are, are, is there fruit 
from the test of fruit in the lives of others, not your own, in the lives of others that you're genuinely following after Christ. As the music team comes up and they pass out the communion trays, guys, ultimately, how do we live a life that is a testimony for the one who gave it? How do we do that? It's not my three little points. You know how it is? Like this. This is how we live a life as a testimony to the one who gave it to us. Open-handed. Lord, Lord, I, I hate what's going on in my country. I don't get what's happening, but you know. Here, just take it. I don't know why these people have hurt me. I'm having a hard time forgiving them, but I know you know, and I know I've hurt you, so just take it. I'm afraid of what's going to happen for my daughters. I'm afraid of what's going to happen to our church. I'm afraid of, but, but I know you know, just take it. Is when we can do that and not live like the world, not wring our hands, not enter into those conversations of how bad this person is. Because I, I get it. This is where I'll check out those of you that didn't check out them earlier. When somebody starts talking to you about the presidency, say something nice about Joe Biden. I, 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 seriously, you know what? He seems like a sweet old man. He does. He seems like a sweet-spirited old man. Yeah, but that's because he's just completely brain-dead, and he's blah, blah, blah. Lord, you know, and if he is our president, it's because you've put him there, so I can say something nice and pray for my president because you've told me to. And my identity is in Christ first, not in my president, not in my country, not even in my family, in Christ alone. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for that truth. I thank you that you get that it's hard. You do. Um, you get that it's hard because <laughs> Rome won that dark night. arrested you, when they beat you, bloody raw to the bone. When the liars that you came to love died, buried for who you were, my will and fill it with yours. Not my will. Not my will for my life. Not my will for my family. Not my will for the church. Not my will for the country. But yours. 
it is so hard. And so desperately needed right now. Oh, it can only happen by the supernatural filling of your spirit. So as we respond, Lord, to you, in these last few moments of our gathered time, Lord, I just want to pray again that you would protect the ears of those who heard, but that you would let us just soak you in. Like, like no time in our existence do we desperately need you. And yet, saved for this. This is our moment. Because it's your moment. So may we live those moments today, this week, this month, this holiday season. Every one of them, until you come to, to, to restore all things, may we live those moments telling your story. God who spoke stars into existence and in a garden said, not my will, but thy will be done.